0: All right guys, thank y'all for being here. Um, before Jason comes up, just wanted to give y'all a little bit of context. We've been doing the Man Church now for six months, uh, something that me and Matt and other men of our church have been led through and, and we really prayed about before we got started, and it's super convicting. Um, and I hope all y'all have been a part of that. Um, I know it's been a change in my life and how I lead my family. Um, and something I really prayed through, um, was I really wanted us men to get to know other men of the church because I've talked to a lot of men and I look look up to several men of our church, but there's a lot of men in here that I don't know. So, like tonight, I wanted to bring Jason. And for those of you that don't know Jason, y'all are going to know a lot more about him after tonight. So, uh, Jason, if you will, come up here and give us your testimony.
1: I'm going to give you something, that's for sure. This is not for me to drink. It's in case I need a bathroom break while I, <laughs> while I, while I filibuster. Is that a word? Isn't that right? If I'm here for four hours. I want to thank, uh, I think they said Kevin did the uh, taco meat. I don't know. I shouldn't start naming names because uh, I'd miss a bunch. But uh, I heard it was good. I chose not to partake yet. I'm going to make a plate for later. But Which brings me to my first point of which there won't be many, Um, if you're visiting with us, I know that some are, the men's restroom is directly out there to my right and your left, the taco bar, look, I won't judge, I won't even point you out if you get up and leave to go deal with something because if you think you need to deal with something, then you probably should. (laughs) And I won't call you out unless it's Matt, where's Matt? All right, I remember uh, my daughter's at UNA now in her first year of college, and I don't even know if they require this anymore, honestly, but uh, speech class, they used to make you take speech in class before you graduate. You had to do it. And uh, I don't remember much from that. You'll see that in a moment. But the one thing I do remember was uh, rule number one, first rule of speech class, fight club. The first rule of speech class was never apologize. I don't know why I remember that. I thought it was funny, I guess. It means you get up to speak in front of somebody, you don't go, I'm not a speaker, Man, this is going to be terrible, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. I refuse to, to apologize. I'm not going to apologize to you. I'm just, by actions, I'm going to verify to you that I'm not a speaker tonight. I'm just a dude uh, that's in these classes. And uh, matter of fact, speaking of I'm just a dude, I don't know what's happened. I'm not going to get into this either too much, but... Since we started this in January, it's even worse. Um, People in our country and elsewhere seem to have a a hard time understanding what is a man and what is a woman. You see any of this? This is insane. So I thought we better start for man night. Let's just start at the beginning. Let's just make sure we got the right crowd. So this is a man. Okay. (laughs) That's a man, in case anybody was watching too much CNN. This is, oh my goodness. That is, I'm actually sorry that I did that now. No, but this is, oh no, it's also a man. See, trick question. You know, to have the uh, wisest, and these are the biggest air quotes I can do. Among us, you know, going to the Supreme Court to give wise decisions, I don't, um, I'll go ahead and say it now, because I don't know if I'll vomit it out later. I don't watch news. Ask any of my three children, CNN, Fox, CNBC, whatever other news stations are, they are not on at my house. They won't even know probably what they are. Um, And I still hear plenty. I I still know what's going on. For you people that like to say, oh, I got." how do you know what's happening? You know you can't get away from it. So, side note, you know, and none of my kids are on antidepressants yet, and, you know, I'm not on sleep medication, so it, you know, be careful how much you give to the, it's just commercials, that's all they're doing it for, by the way. There's not that really much going on. But, uh, yeah, to have a woman sit there, and a congresswoman asked her, I saw this in a little clip on YouTube, I guess. Um, Congresswoman asked her, hey, um, so could you tell us what a woman is? And that woman sat there and lied. I, I remember thinking, gosh, I hope her parents aren't watching this. You know, I hope, I hope she... And she just lied and said, I'm, I'm not a biologist, I can't, you know. I'm not a biologist, but I, later in life I did train to be a science teacher. I'm certified to teach science in the state of Alabama. And uh, I guess it's preaching to the choir, but you know what? A woman is an adult female human being. That's what it is. And you can go back 10,000 years, 2,000 years, 20,000 years from now, if we go back and look at skeletons, I can tell you, and I'm not good at this at all, I can tell you right away who was the male and who was the the man who was the woman. It's right down to the bone structure that they're different. So that has nothing to do with anything. All right, you know what the bathrooms are? Please use them accordingly, and we know what a man is. All right, here we go how to be a man. This is what Man Church is about. So what my plan is, um, because when uh, Matt asked me a few weeks ago, he said, hey, do you think you want to speak at the Man Church? Can you do that for us? I said, well, um, looks like I'm off work. Okay, uh, what do you want me to speak on? And he he said, uh, whatever the Lord lays in your heart, which is a great answer. That is a fantastic answer, but it is spectacularly useless in helping me you know, I mean, that was, I get it. I guess I'd have said the same thing. But uh, So I've thought of nothing else, pretty much, just uh, about what he... And so I thought, hey, man church, um, how to be a man, I thought I will review very quickly. So this will be shotgun, drinking from the hydrant, you know, fire hose, we call it at work for intense training sessions. And I'm going to review, just kind of catch up The first three characteristics. Because what Man Church does is, look, how do we be a man? The world has all the wrong answers. We know that. Uh, We see it. So the Man Church curriculum takes eight characteristics that the Bible says should be found in every man. And we got them because the only perfect example of a man we had was when God came down to be one. So eight characteristics. We take five weeks on each one of those characteristics in sessions. That's the way it's laid out. So what I thought I'd do, I'll go over the first three quickly. And I'm, I'm defaulting back to the most lagging group because some groups have missed more than others because of one reason or another. So I'm only going to the middle of the third um, characteristic. And this will be shotgun. If you've got your Bible, you've got an app, you can flip as fast. There'll be some uh, scripture up above. So we're just going to knock this out. And then this will also... Catch everybody up that says, I haven't been going, you know, I don't know what's going on. I may not. Well, you'll be caught up good enough, and for those of you that have seen all this, it'll be a good review before the exam that's coming up in, no, I'm just kidding, there's no exam. I don't think there's an exam. Anyway, Matt said there's no exam, so. All right. The first category, the first characteristic is our identity. All right. Our identity is found in Christ. There it is. Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Um, the bullets, what I'll do is what I and there, there's no topics for this. I had to make up the identity is found in Christ. Because the sessions are titled Session One. Session two. Thanks a lot, Rick. You know, give me something. But this is just a summarize it for you. I'm gonna give a few bullets that meant something to me that really jumped out to kinda of summarize it. If each one of you could do this that have been in these classes and it would be completely different and that's kinda of the point. So, we'll shotgun this and then we'll just sit around and talk a little bit about some other stuff. My favorite part was uh, identity found in Christ. We are new creation, not improved. He said that right out of the gate. I thought, wow, that's, that's profound. We're not supposed to try and do a little bit better. We're completely new people. Um, if someone asked your wife, a lot of these are just going to be kicks to the throat, or they were for me anyway. So uh, that's why they stuck out to me. If someone asked your wife or children or your best friend, what is the most important thing in your husband or your father's life? What would they say? And then he said, uh, he said you know, football is a great sport, He said, but it makes a lousy God. And I thought the same thing about hunting, fishing, golf, your job your career, are lousy gods. We're saved by grace through faith, but that faith is through action and obedience. We have to stop saying we identify with Christ, but then you look at our life and you don't see Jesus anywhere. Uh, That doesn't say much about Jesus. So session two, week two, our identity is we grow in the knowledge of Christ. Uh, Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So he said it right off. He said, uh, can we just agree that if we're supposed to act like Jesus and do the things he did, it'd be really hard to do if we didn't know what he did. So um, growing in, in faith and knowledge of the scripture. He did say uh, excuses. He said, he's heard them all. I've given several to myself and you probably heard these, it's like uh, many men will say, I don't like to read, I'm not a reader, I'm not a good learner, um, don't have good study habits, and they say he thought about it and he realized that you can ask a lot of men about their football team, right, and they could give you details about every win and loss going back to the late 60s or which seventh grader your team's looking at and all the assistant coaches and everything, or if you say there's just no big bucks around anymore, you know, he said, well, no, wait. You know, some people would say more than you want to know about the eating habits of deer in our area or where to put your tree stand or the right deer rifle or the loadout to use, right? Or, or bass fishing. No, you use the chartreuse grub and you, you throw near structure. And basically what it means, anything that we deem valuable, um, we know something about. And uh, the last thing is, says, whatever you love, you know an awful lot about. Session three of identity. Our identity is evidenced by how we live. Matthew 5, 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, Rick said a lot that he didn't have a lot of Scripture memorized um, early on. He said it was difficult for him. But John 14, 15, he said he always came pretty easy to him. And we know that says Jesus said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey me. Um... Then he looked at the camera and he said, can you think, he said, just stop for a moment. He said, can you think of anybody that can say that they are redeemed today because of your obedience? We can't save anybody, but he said directly, is there anyone that you know of that is redeemed today because of you being the light of Jesus in their life? What proof is there in your life that you have been changed by Christ? Session four of identity. Jesus requires us to be servant leaders. Mark 9, 35, and he sat down and called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. True leadership under the identity of Jesus Christ is found in the man who serves. He said something that I had to read several times over. He said, nothing brings more joy than to serve those that have been placed under our authority. And this gets into some of this later about leading your family and stuff. But we've been placed in authority over our wives, over our children. Some of us have employees, people under us at work. And it's something you can't, you have to experience it. And it's not about giving in every whim of your kids or your wife, but serving them like uh, Christ served us. There's joy in that that you can't be told about. It's something you just kind of have to, to feel. You know, the husbands love your wives and, and wives respect your husbands. He said, maybe wives don't respect husbands because they've never seen the servant leadership and they've never been loved like Christ loved the church. Therefore, the fruit of respect for their husband isn't there. He said, so maybe our wives don't respect us because they know us. That's when he dropped the mic and end of that one. These are tough, man. And the things about these, I'll stop now on about midpoint of reviewing this real quick. It's, these are the bullets, these are kind of the scriptures that starts it out. The real, the jewel in all of this for Man Church is that we the men are sitting in a little group together. And we know each other, and I'll go and do this now. Many of us in here, some are new, some have come in since January. Um, How many have been here, I don't know, for ten years or more at this church, let's say? That's a bunch. 20? Anybody been here 20 years? 30? 40? Come on. I'm not saying 50. (laughs) 50. That's amazing. There's so much knowledge and wisdom um, in a place of men of God. They're all spread out. There's some that have been here, I've been here five and a half years, and Here's the thing, many of you didn't know my name until Kevin said it a minute ago. And I'm not only, even the only one that has my name in this church. There's another Jason Brewer, by the way. He's, he's off working tonight. Um, and I don't know every, and I'm horrible with names. That is not an excuse. I could be better, and I mean to be better. But if I had to start naming, I know faces, and I know a little bit. That's not the point, whether or not we know each other's names, really. It's, but it is a symptom. Of the fact that if we don't know each other's names that well or at all we're we're not living life together. I'm not bearing your burden, and I'm not sharing things with you struggles, and you're not coming to me if I don't even know your name, that's what that means and uh that's what this man church I'm kind of skip to the end here, but that's what it helps to do because I get it we're uh we're busy people, and we'll talk about that for a second in a few minutes, but We have to have a time. If it's not man church, it's going to have to be something else. We're going to have to get together as men of God at this local body. If you go to church here and you're a man at this church, then we should be getting together and working this out. We should be doing church. All right, let me shotgun the rest of this thing. Identity. Let's do session five. Last session, identity, we were created in God's image. Genesis 1 27 28 so God created man in his own image in the image of God He created him male and female we discussed that he created them We were made in his image meaning not another animals and this you can have fun with this it, all the scientists um, Now that Skeleton the Lucy the missing link all of them even agree now that that was just another Monkey another species. It's it's ridiculous. We were we we're made in God's image and We've been given stewardship over the earth and over his creation. So how if we presented his image to a lost and dying world? If we're made in his image, how are we displaying that? Where's the evidence of our creator? We've been made in God's image, so let's live like it. Second characteristic was integrity. Session one, right out of the gate. Integrity begins with speaking the truth. Session one, Proverbs 12:22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. Then, of course, the classic John 8:44, uh, You are of your father the devil, this is Jesus speaking, and your, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not um, stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So if Jesus is the way and the, the truth, Jesus is truth, and Satan is a liar, then when we choose to lie, we're just acting like Satan. And there's a lot of good discussion, and it's a lot of good stuff to sit there in a room full of people. Nowadays, in our culture, I don't think you could watch a courtroom channel and ever see anybody tell the truth, almost. It's, I don't even think you people even think that they might be telling the truth. Have you seen a political race recently? Or ever? It's... There's exaggeration, there's hyperbole, there's white lies. There's, but we are called to be truthful. Colossians 3.9 says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices. So do we speak like Jesus or like Satan? Session 2 of Integrity. Man of integrity seeks after the plans and purposes of God. <clears throat> so Proverbs 28.6. Better is a poor man who works in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Can you be trusted? Can we be trusted in our marriage, in our friendships, at our jobs? Um, Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Well, Proverbs 4, 27, I'll do that one too. Ponder the path of your feet, then all of your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left, Turn your foot away from evil. Um, and in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, we'll hit on this one more time later. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know, I get a visual from this one. I remember this was going on of visually following Jesus uh, to the narrow gate. And I pictured... Just a big stone. There's a little gap in the gate, three, four feet wide, right? And he's in front of me, seven paces, eight paces, and I can see the back of his cloak. And there's people, walls of people to the left and right, and just following him right to the gate. That's the vision. I'm kind of a visual person, in case you haven't noticed. And I will say before I forget it um, the chosen. Has anybody seen some of that? I know some of you have. If you haven't, you're in sin. I'm just kidding, you're not. But you do need to watch it. It's, you know, don't say, oh, I don't like those. It, just need to watch it. If you ever watch anything, uh, commercials in between football games are worse than anything. This is based on the gospel. Yes, it, they take some liberty, but I'm telling you, it's an app. Get it on your iPhone or your Android, wherever you go to get those things. And you uh, can watch it for free, stream it to a, a device. Season three is coming out. But what you see in between the verses of Jesus heals people, well, you get to see, well, he would have had to walk there and do this, and they're having to find food. It's very, I think, good for us, especially where we are in a society where it's very visual. The chosen, don't forget, I'll say it before we, I'll try and remember at the end. All right. Are we really following Christ? This is how he ends it, with integrity. Do we really place value on following Jesus? Session three of integrity. Integrity is a lifestyle committed to living in obedience. So 1 Samuel 15, it's a favorite of mine. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Of course, this story, if you back it up several verses, Samuel's very, the Lord told Samuel to tell the king, go in there, kill everybody, don't leave anybody. Kill everything they have, don't bring back any spoils. No treasure, kill them all. So the king comes back, Saul comes back, he's like, hey, Um, Samuel says, did you do the voice? Yes, I've done the Lord's will. He said, well, why do I hear the bleeding of cattle? And and why do I hear sheep? That's the verse before that. I always thought that's funny. Um, and also that he just lied, I guess. That's never really pointed out there. But the idea, right back to John 14:15, if you love me, you'll obey me um, with integrity. I've looked to the cross. I love the way he said this. Rick did this in his lessons. He says, so if I look to the cross and I said, I've said thank you for our redemption. And when I say thank you, I want to know you. When I know you, I love you. And then when I love you, I'll obey you. And that's the order. And sometimes in our life, if we're finding that we're not, you can just go backwards in there and see where you've, which chain you've missed. So that's why integrity is more important to the Lord than sacrifice, because integrity is showing we finally love Jesus and we finally love God more than we love sin. Session four. If integrity was a life of integrity is one of the most powerful ways to share the gospel. Second Corinthians 8, 21. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. I think this had to do, yeah. I think it was a, uh, how they were handling an offering that was being given and how they were making sure going above and beyond to make sure everybody knew it was above board. And, and that's the thing. It's not just that we're doing the right thing, um, is that we make sure everybody can see that. We cannot profess one thing and live another. We must always act with integrity, no matter the situation or audience. And he did give an illustration, remember this. He said, Billy Graham, any of his staff, it was just a, a rule where any member of the staff, including Billy Graham, would never be in a room by themselves with a woman who was not a member of their family. And it wasn't that, oh, they couldn't be trusted. Well, can't you be trusted? It's to abstain from the very appearance of evil. All right, session five, integrity. The last week talked about God uses suffering and trials to refine our faith and build integrity. It's got to be Job, right? Job 2, verse 3. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity, although you, um, you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. So we must be willing to take God for who He says He is, not who we wish He would be. And that's never more evident than when we're in struggles, because we know that if we're faithful, then He's right. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, the apostles, after being beaten for no reason and abused and thrown in prison, they didn't pray for comfort or retaliation. They prayed for boldness to just be held in the fire. A lot of good examples from that lesson. Hope we get to go back over that purpose. This is where I'll stop, because this is where the last um, class is dragging. <laughs> Session one, week one, we are created to glorify God, purpose for our lives. First Chronicles 16, 28-29, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name, bring an offering and come before Him, worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. So we want, why do we do this? Because He is worthy of glory. And we want to glorify and not embarrass Him. Yes, we want to glorify Him in prayer and in song, but also maybe mainly with our lives. Because He alone is due the glory that our lives well-lived can bring to Him. Week two of our purpose. Our purpose, we're created to work. <laughs> Colossians three twenty three and 24. You could probably recite this. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So we got to remember, um, I had forgotten this for a while, but work was around before the fall. The punishment for Adam was not, oh, now you've got to start working to live. If you read back in Genesis, he sent him to work the garden. He had been doing it for however long they made it. Before blowing it, right? Now, fruitless work, toiling and not getting anything done, that's kind of after the fall. But we were made to work and we will be working, unless it's horrible. This sounds horrible as I'm saying it. But uh, for the rest of our life, for the rest of your life, you'll be working. Um, the millennial rain, we'll be working then. It doesn't stop then. Retirement. <laughs> He did say this. Retirement is a world concept. It's not a biblical one. And it doesn't mean you can't leave the stinky job. I'm just kidding. It's great. I'm pr- I appreciate my job very much. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't stop doing that, whatever it is you're doing to pay the bills and go to do something else. What he meant was we're not supposed to kick it out of gear, you know, and just sit there and go, well, I got, I'm done with mine. You know, I guess I'll just sit here in the back pew and phone it in, I guess. All right. when others look at the way we work, and this is a big deal, they should regard us as abnormal, um, different from the rest of the world. And that is powerful. It's a powerful witness, going back to integrity. Session three, purpose. This is where I'll stop. We are to be the spiritual leader of our home. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify here, her. Now we've heard this first part. Make sure you catch this second part. Um, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So first thing about being spiritual leaders in our home, it's not about me. It's not about my needs first. Everybody comes second. It's that servant leadership we talked about um, a few sessions ago. Men are the spiritual. I love the way he said this. And he cited the gentleman that said it, and I don't know who it is. He said, men are the spiritual temperature of the home. He said, the influence, and tell me if you haven't noticed this, the influence that God has given us is so strong as men, as a husband, and as a father. It's all related, but a little bit different. That influence is so strong that even if our wives and children have a desire to be strong people of faith, if we are not strong men of faith, then we can dilute that so much that it really doesn't have the effect that it could have. I've seen that so many times. People I work with, stories. It just means so much. And you might think, well, I'm the kind of a person that goes, well, why is that? Why would that matter? If... And it matters because that's the way God set it up. Because that's the way it is. <clears throat> no one can replace you as a leader in your family. That was another important bullet from that series, he said, and I'll tell you this, he said, um, at lunch with a gentleman over a meet and three, I think he said, a gentleman looked at him in the face and he said, you know, Rick, if, if there's a man out there that is the spiritual leader for your wife, then he is a better husband for her than you are. And he said, he about choked on his vegetables. He says it was a quiet ride on the way home. The same thing, if if they're a better spiritual leader for your children, they're a better father for them. He also said uh, all those men were willing to shoot it to him straight, and those are the men that he remembers today. A spiritual leader is a person that submits, it's a man that submits to the needs of his wife and family before his own needs, and is a man that washes his wife and children in the Word, because he has a true desire to consume the word of God. So when they need biblical answers, he has those answers for them. That second part of that verse where it says, and washes her with, I gotta be honest with you, I had forgotten that was there too. Cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That means we're responsible to study God's word and lead them and be there, wash them with it. Just as you're going to just, as you pass your daughter, say hey, I just read this verse. You ever heard this one? Or with your wife, just throw it out there. Yeah, I studied yesterday. It was about this. Just constantly just wash it out there. Wash it over them. It won't return void, they say. All right. So we've caught us all up. That's about as far as we've gotten in our group on Sunday nights. So why man church? Um, Why should we live life together? And as I was thinking about what to say... um, the Lord gave me something. I know the will of God for every man in this room today. God told me last week. And it's found, if you have your Bibles, if you you haven't worn out your fingers, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it'll be on the screen too. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So this may have more impact on a college or a youth group because they're always very excited about the will of God and frightened that they won't find it, right? That's... Look, that is it for every one of us, our sanctification. So, you know what? Very handily, Man Church, by taking these eight characteristics, of which we're three deep into it on on my group, um, of following the perfect man, Jesus, the holy man, Jesus, that is our sanctification. So it's a great way to do it. And like I alluded to before, if we... So you're saying, Jason, if you don't make it to a man church service, you're, you stink and you can't do it. No, I'm not saying that at all. What I mean is, it's a great way to do it. If you can find a group, let's jump in to a group and do this. But if not, we still have to get together with the local body, wherever it is you belong, with other men. And just get together and do life. Share each other. You have to find a way to do it um, somehow. It, I promise it won't happen by accident. That's what I've been noticing the last couple years. I think the Lord has been sifting us for a couple years and I'm really thinking he's about to do something big. Um, revival. I've been talking to guys at work, uh, different denomination, different churches, and they're all going through the same thing. The last couple of years have really sifted people out. Those that were maybe just kind of culturally going, I don't know, um, So sanctification is the will of God for us to become more like Jesus. And look, this stuff is hard. Even with the Holy Spirit helping to work this out in our lives and we couldn't do it otherwise, it's still very difficult. Because we're not supposed to be... We were never intended to be lone sheep, right? That's not a thing. Um, He compared it to sheep, and we have our shepherd here at this church that guides and and teaches and protects us, warns us, instructs us. and. If we're out there on our own, boy, it's so hard. It really is. And it's hard because that's not the way we're supposed to do it. All right. So we need to help each other create habits. Okay? And you can't do that on your own, really. I've tried so many times. If we help each other create habits of prayer and Bible reading, how many times have we said that? And I know it may sound, well, Jason, that doesn't sound very spiritual. You know, make it a habit, just... We practice everything else that way. Anything you want to get good at, you practice it. If you want to play the piano or hit a golf ball, it may not be fun, but then you're better at it, and there's no better thing. And punch your phone. Say, hey, Siri, remind me to, to pray. I've, I've been using this one for a while. Somebody uh, at work has said it. I'll my alarm goes off. It's day, it's night. I don't know when it is. I just slide my feet over. And when my heels touch the floor. Don't stand up until you Pray. Start at 30 seconds, start at a minute, whatever it is. Start there. Start streaming uh, a, some kind of teacher or preacher on your phone, in your car, on your commute. I tell you, um, I hope you listen to everything Doug has. I hope you hear it live. But if you don't, go back and stream that too. All right, our calling our sanctification we also this is the last thing I'll say we also have a calling not just this is our will for god we every one of us is called and i used to think well is that actually scriptural do is are all of us called for something first corinthians 7:17 7, only let each person lead the life that the lord has assigned to him and to which god has called him this is my rule in all the churches so we all have a calling and this may Come to surprise for some people, but um, you'll find that you're right there right now where he's called you to be. If that's on a back shift at a factory or if it's in the ER, wherever that is, right now, that's probably your calling. Our calling is to do that, our sanctification, and to make disciples. And I know we've heard of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It's in every gospel, but go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then we teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age." So notice in that, there's no mention of personality. A lot of people, well, I'm not, it's not really my personality. I'm not going to cut out to... We're not talking about speaking to 40,000 people at a Colosseum. My personality is to be that row over there, that side, and much quieter than I am right now. That's my personality. But God doesn't much care, I don't wanna say he doesn't care about that, but he knows about that already. And I'm telling you, your personality is perfect, it just is, for where you are you've been called right now. So whether that's timid and, but very thoughtful and very, um, you notice everything around you and you can tell someone needs some help and you slide in there, it is perfect for where you are right now. I think of uh, Moses and Aaron, and I didn't look this up, so this is JSV, I just made that up, it's Jason's standard version. It's uh, when God goes to Moses, and correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, later, after this is over, don't do it right <clears throat> here. But I, I thought about personality, you know, God goes to Moses and says, hey, I need you to come, let's go, we're going to lead the people out. I told you this is a very loose translation. And he's like, I, I can't, I don't know what to say. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what you're going to say. So. Come on, let's go help my people go. And he goes, but I, I can't talk. I don't, I'm not. So finally, in my mind anyway, is how it went. he's like, okay, you know what? Aaron, we'll let Aaron go with you. So Aaron's going too. You good? Okay, so then they go. But you know what? I started thinking, I don't ever remember Aaron saying a single thing in Scripture, ever. You know, when he's talking to Pharaoh, when he's talking to the people, when he's going... Aaron held the stick. He held the staff, right? He dropped it one time or something. That's it. So God knew what he was doing is my point. But isn't it funny that he, he cared enough to ease his mind, right? To help him out. That was for free. <clears throat> uh, we have each been placed in our spots to spread the gospel and to make disciples. This is what I want to end with. Think of uh, some names of people where you work. Close your eyes if you have to for a second. Because this is really what I was here for tonight, I think. There are so many people. I sat here thinking, Zach, Jake, Steve, Andy, Heath, Jesse, Josh, Matt, Lee. And I told you I'm bad at names. I can give you 30 more names immediately. And these are people that I work with 12 and a half hours shifts. I live with these people. Some of them seen me for 17, 15, 10, 8, 6, 4 years. And picture those people in your head, people in the shop, people you work with, vendors, people you cut grass for. And now picture their wife and their children. Picture them here in this room and into that room and out into the parking lot. It, the number goes up so fast that it's overwhelming to me. And, you know, last Sunday night, we had the missions team representatives, about seven or eight people were on stage, and they were talking about missions and how receptive, I think, Brother Doug had asked them, so what did you find about how receptive people were? And, oh, yeah, everybody would talk to you. You know, some people said, no, thank you, but everyone would talk to them. Our culture is such. I, I would... It would take a lot of convincing for one of you to convince me that the Southeastern United States in 2022 is not the hardest mission field that I know of, that you could tell me. Because let's remember, there's only two, and I know you've heard Doug say this before, there's only two ways that Satan tries to get rid of Christians, right? The first one that it goes to is to kill them all as fast as possible. Kill them, persecute them, um, torture and then the other way is he allows such comfort, ultimate comfort, and keeps us busy. And I'm not sure which way is is, is better for us, honestly. Because you go to China, South Korea, all these places, they're lighting it up, and it always has been. The early church here in Acts, I mean in Rome, being burned alive, dipped in candle wax. Oh, and that's the one way, and the gospel explodes. I'm afraid America, at this point, it's, it's gonna take those little, I say the word little, uh, personal tragedies in people's lives. And I'm so grateful for those. I, over this last little bit, I've, I've thought, wow, how gracious is our God that he allows these trials, and things to come into people's lives that I know, to my life, to others. Because if not for that, what gets us off the hamster wheel? If you're in Sunday school with us, or if you've been around me a little bit, some of you guys, I talk about the hamster wheel every once in a while. Because that's what it is. When I say we're busy, we are too busy. Our culture is also rich, by the way. Everyone in here, if you have a job right now, or you recently had a job, or whatever, you know Here's the research I did for you. You ready? Uh, We will hit, or we have hit, 8 billion people on the earth this year. Apparently it's sometime this year. Okay. If you look it up, and I don't agree with these numbers, but let's just throw it out there. They say all the people that have ever lived and died before, they have that about 106 billion. Now, sure, whatever. It doesn't really affect the math at all that I'm about to do. You add in our eight billion with those. 2022 in America, have a job or in this area, I know all of you, we not only are the richest, and I don't wanna do the decimal point zero zero because that's too mind blowing. I'm gonna have to say we're in the richest 99.999, and then the little differences we have are those other numbers behind it. We are climate controlled almost 100% of the time when we wanna be, we think of whatever food on the earth that we'd like to eat and we can probably get to it in five minutes or less we have health care we have jobs we decide what color and fabric we'd like to put on our bodies for clothes today and for people that see no need for a Savior I'm gonna to go to this scripture here when Jesus had heard this he said to him this is Luke 18 I believe Uh, One thing you still lack sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and Come follow me The emphasis was mine there But when he heard these things he became very sad for he was extremely rich Jesus seeing that he had become sad said how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? exclamation point um I often find myself, when I read something, I think, now, whatever the verse is, does Jesus know what he's talking about? And does Jesus, do you think he's exaggerating? Right? I don't think so. Um, Satan has two strat. well, we talked about that. So, our need to live lives of integrity and holiness, uh, so that the world sees a difference. I Totally agree with that and I hear I've heard a lot of people say it. I'm just living my life You know, I'm gonna just live my lot and if they see it good That's great except we also have to use the words. We have to we have to say it. It's not good enough These people are too busy and too fast and i gonna tell you this you can't make this up Tuesday I was in training this week and Tuesday we had to go to the plant late in the day and I went and parked and got out of the parking lot. and Steve, let's call him Steve because that's his name. Um, he was about 10 yards in front of me and I got out and started walking and I heard him say, hey, Mr. Brewer, and that's not formality, it's his nickname for me. It's strange, he's always called me that. And I've worked with him for years, he's kind of been off shift because of health concerns. I know a little bit about him, um, divorced and had a daughter he was taken care of. And he said, I wish more people in the plant were like you. And then he said, you have always treated me so kindly. <laughs> and I was this quiet. And I s- stammered for a second, and I kept walking, and I, it was noticeably paused, And I came up with some stupid joke about, oh, I guess I was tired from the night shift. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody uh." And it was immediate. As soon as he came out of his mouth, and if you, again, if you're in my Sunday school class or something, it was this. That's my symbol for when the spirit goes, hey, there it is. Tell him why. It was immediate. Two seconds as he was saying that. He's like, hey, tell him why. And I mumbled and did that and then walked into the plant and we got separated. And here's my point, I had to find his number later. I had to call some other people because I don't have his phone number, apparently. And I had to call him back and say, hey man, I appreciate you. I said, you may not remember this. I said, but you had just mentioned that, that I was nice to you and you, thought, you know, wishing there were more people out there. I said, immediately the Spirit of God inside of me wanted me to tell you this. I said, I don't even know why I didn't do it. I said, but if you saw anything good in me, I said it was the Spirit in me. I said, Jason is selfish, angry, judgmental. Lazy, I said I can spend the rest of the afternoon explaining more details of what Jason, the the human being, can be, and I can prove it to you. I said, but if you saw anything in me, it was just Jesus in me. I said, I and do you need anything like if you need me to do anything for you? Or, I said, Do you have anything specific prayer to, to about? And I talked to him a little bit about his daughter and just general stuff. She's nineteen now, so and you may think, well, okay. That is the definition of uh, quenching the spirit. By the way, in case you everyone looked that up, it's when you just tell the spirit no. And by the way, um, I've just decided that this is how I'm gonna treat this stuff. Whenever I get those say look, if you ever wonder, oh is that the is that the Spirit of God? Is that God telling me to do something? Or is it look, I don't even blink twice now. I promise that Satan or the enemy is never going to tell you. I'm never going to have the thought, hey, tell him about me. That's never going to be from the enemy. It's always the spirit. It's one of the reasons why I know I'm his, right? And the conviction I had days after and had to go chase him down on the telephone. You may think, okay, well, you called him. That's fine. No, I blew it. That moment was spirit-driven. Why he would ever, by the way, I've never had anybody say that to me. I don't know if it's, I'm not saying I'm not a nice guy. Truly, I, apparently I am. But that's, no one's ever just taking a softball and went, hey. And there's no, God doesn't do anything by accident, so he knew I was going to get up here and ramble on tonight, right? So it was almost like he said, hey, you know, get you ready. And I blew it. And I won't know, I guess, like I said, I got to talk to him, and he's, I'll see him again Monday. He has to come into the plant for something. But that's the thing. Why was that so hard for me to do that? Anybody have any idea? I meant this to be more open for them. I'll tell you one of the biggest reasons I can think of, because I have no explanation for it. I have me and Jake and Heath and other guys. I have good Christian a few good Christian guys on my group. And we've tried to talk near other people. That's a strategy to use. Talk about the Lord near somebody where they can't get away. That's a a good one. but I think it's because we don't have... We're on our own. We're doing this by ourselves. So I'll go back to this. This is where I'll close with. Uh, Matthew 7 again. Where Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. I heard this stated by um, uh, Brother Tyler. He's a preacher I listen to sometimes on the radio to work. He said, uh, how many? Many. He said, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. He said, What does that mean? And I never heard it said like this Almost no one finds it. I thought, Man. Yeah, I guess, that's, I guess that's true. So I want to get together. I, I want to get excited about men. I want us to do these groups, I want us to pursue sanctification together. The accountability that we have to have. We have, I come in Sunday school sometimes, and Matt would, right out of the gate, he goes, all right, who got to share Christ with somebody this week? And just wait for an answer. And there were several weeks where I sat there going, and again, my brain is Swiss cheese, and I probably switched from days and nights twice, and I was going, what did I? And I start to recount, and I remember some things during the week. I'm like, man, what did I do this week? I wasted this whole week. But it takes somebody coming in and slapping you in the face. And the people that can do that are us, the men in the church. So if you haven't been to Man Church, please start. I'm sure there's times you can sign up for. Um, if not, we need to pray together. Um, I started thinking I've been here for five years. Again, I was all in preparation for this. I started thinking, huh. We've prayed some in our Man Church sessions, but not a lot. And we used to, when I got to come to more Wednesday nights, we've broken up some prayer groups before. But I started thinking, how long have I prayed with some of these men in this room? I don't know in five years if it would equate to the amount of time for a SEC Game of the Week commercial break, honestly. I know it wouldn't be two of them, right? So, and I've heard we start to pray a little bit, and some guys in our group go, we need to pray more. This is awesome. And they're right. So anyway, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then Kevin or Matt or whoever wants to come up, can. Definitely, Father, Lord, I love you so much, and Lord, I'm going to talk about the First Corinthians 13 version of love. I, I hate it when people use the word love incorrectly, like a woman loves her shoes. No, she doesn't. She, she likes the way they look, Lord. Love is patience. Love is kind. Love is, boasteth not, and love does things. Love is a verb, Lord, and I want to love these men, Lord, because they're part of my family here. Lord, as long as you have me here and, and want to use me. Lord, just be with each one of these men. Keep them strong. Lord, they go to so many different places. I had a 22-year-old look at me this week and say that he has zero Christians around him at work, in the school. He has nobody. Lord, we have to take the young men. We have to spread out the wisdom that we've gotten from these older men that have been here. Not just doctrine. We, we have enough doctrine, Lord, to save the world three times over. We need lessons in how to apply it, Lord. Lord, just thank you for loving us. Forgive me for not understanding your love for me, Lord, and not acting as if I know how much you love me, Lord. Keep revealing that to me, Lord. Thank you for these men. Protect them as they leave. Lord, just thank you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Can we get up for Jason? You know, when Kevin and I were talking weeks ago about this happening, I was kind of like, well, man, can we pull it off You know, before the end of the year? And Kevin's like, let's do it, man. We can do it in August. I was like, ah, we got a lot going on in August, and we're all busy. And I was really trying to talk him out of it. But Kevin's like, no, let's do it, man. We can do it August 6th. I'm like, yeah, but that's right after we have our 1045 mission trip, right before Disciple Now. We got a lot going on. He's like, no, man, we got it. I'm so glad that God ordained tonight and for Jason to come to share his heart. And um, he's in our Sunday school class, and I'm so blessed to have uh, him in there and all these other men. and I, I just want to say this. It was a God-ordained thing for our church to start Man Church when, it, when we did. Um, we tried it a little earlier and it just didn't, wasn't right and prayed with Brother Doug and the rest of the staff. It just, it's just a, it's, the time is right. And, and, and I want you to look to your right and look to your left. I know we don't know everybody, but um, if you're not involved in a, in a group, it's not too late. You know, he summarized everything. Just please start now. Um, please invite your coworkers and your friends. We have five different meetings, okay? We have a Sunday morning in this room. We have a Sunday night um, in this hub that Jason and Kevin lead. I have a Wednesday night that Nathan and Heath lead. have a Wednesday morning that Ryan and Lee lead. And a Tuesday night that Luke and, who's your partner, Eric, kind of, sort of, maybe? But I think he, just Luke, just Luke. okay. Um, so there's no excuse. There's plenty of times. And, and listen, if you're like, well, man, I can't meet in of those. I could do a Saturday morning at 4.30 in the morning. Let's go, long, you know. Anytime you want to do it, you get a couple guys together, we'll provide the material. Just find a time for you to meet with other men. Uh, we'll, we'll provide the facilities. You can, we'll open a room for you. Whatever we got to do, we want men rubbing shoulders with men, reading scriptures, being accountable to the scriptures, and, and praying with each other and growing in their faith. Amen? Amen. Um, one, two things, and I, I mean, I just wrote this down that I feel like I need to say this. When you said this at the very beginning, Jason, you said, um, I don't want to misquote you, this, these are going to be, uh, uh, most things um, that take place in this are like a kick in the throat. I mean, every week I feel like Rick Burgess kicks me right in the throat when I read these. And she's just like, golly, Rick, come on, man. And then I get in class and I'm discussing it with these other men. I'm like, man, it's just so edifying and so encouraging. and so It's a iron sharpening iron. Uh, and I just love it. I mean, I've always been in Sunday school from, from time I've been a baby. But this is just, I love it. And I just want to encourage you men to get involved um, and to be real and to be transparent and to be real men that follow Jesus, right? Um, and if you have any other questions, we're gonna, I'm going to pray again because I like praying. You like praying? And, if, and, I, and I thought about asking you all to get up in twos and threes and, 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 and pray together, but it is getting kind of late. Um, but it's been so good. And If you feel led to pray with somebody, grab somebody and go pray, whatever you need to do. But, um, but, but come talk to one of us staff. Um, if you're staff, raise your hand so everybody knows who you are. And Jerry, where's Jerry? I hadn't seen him tonight. Is he okay? Okay. Um, I hadn't. I didn't know what was going on. Um, but if you need one of us, holler at us. Okay. If a question, um, ask us. All right. We'd love to give you the answers to that. Okay. Lord, again, we thank you for being here tonight. We thank you, God, for the encouragement and the sanctification that's taking place tonight, and and has taken place over the several weeks. We've been doing this, and, and God, the, the the glory that you're going to receive through the men in this room, and as they leave this room, uh, whether they go to church here or not, as they are, as they go into the workplace, as they go into their homes, as they go into the community. Lord, help us all to live out our faith, to follow Jesus, and and, and to do it with a pursuit that the world sees that we're different. Uh, We're not uh, worldly men. We're men of God that follow Jesus. Lord, that's what we're asking for in this church. We're asking that you'll bless um, bless each and every one of us as we uh, step one foot in front of the other, living out our faith. Thank you again for Jason, for Kevin, and those who put this on tonight. Uh, We love you, Father. You're a good God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.